Welcome to season two of the Own Your Creativity podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Johnston. In the last episode, I announced the launch of season two of the Own Your Creativity podcast. What I didn't tell you is that I'm launching a second podcast. More on that in another episode. And I'm super excited about it because I'm doing this one with a wonderful duo of experts, Doug and Strickland, known as the nice guys on business, and they really are nice. When I launched my first podcast, I paid a lot of money for the self-directed program and had no personalized coaching, none, zero, zilch, nada. Don't get me wrong though, the program worked and I did launch but by myself. But Doug and Strickland are all about doing things together. They make it easy and fun, which is the way it should be, right? Because life is too short to struggle needlessly. Oh, and did I mention how affordable their program is? So if you've ever thought about starting a podcast, now is the time. It could be a show about your writing, your business, your hobby, or anything else. The sky is the limit, and Doug and Strickland are there to help you narrow down your idea. Now, if you're like me, you love getting awesome gifts, so I'm offering you my Polish and Publish retreat that I talked about in the last episode, which is happening on July 25th for free when you sign up to launch your own podcast with Doug and Strickland. All you have to do is register for the podcast program at bit.ly forward slash turnkeyoyc. That's bit.ly forward slash turnkeyoyc before 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, July 14th. And then let me know you've signed up. I can't wait to share this podcast journey with you. And now here is today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my interview today with Arshana Shetty. I'm really excited to be speaking with her. I'm Elizabeth Johnston of Own Your Creativity and the host of Free Your Inner Writer, our 30-day program. And uh, so today, Arshana is going to be speaking to us um, about a really important topic uh, that centers around emotional intelligence and peak performance as it relates to writers. Um, And... Um, Arshana is an executive leadership coach and mentor. Her expertise is in emotional intelligence and peak performance, as I say. Um, And she's hosted a a leadership summit recently where uh, 40 thought thought leaders like Daniel Goleman, Art Markman, and Dory Clark uh, were speakers. And she leads a selective private members only leaders network, which connects executives, entrepreneurs, with thought leaders, experts, industry leaders to share cutting edge research ideas and experiences to solve real business challenges and create better products and services. So welcome, Arshana. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me here. And and congratulations on the wonderful job that you're doing by getting together writers in one space. Well done. Thank you. Well, you know, I think that's a really uh, important aspect. You know, you, you have your network that connects all these people to problem solve, basically, and improve their services and, and get their, their voice out there and heard and, you know, connect to their ideal clients and, and all that. And I think it's similar for, for writers. They need to, to create that network or be in a community of like-minded people that have the same goal because, you know, you can go further with people than you, than you can by yourself. And Absolutely. so, yeah. 
Um, and so I thought it was so interesting that you had Dory Clark uh, speak at your at your summit because uh, she's been on my podcast on your creativity and uh, about talking about the entrepreneurial you, which I thought was uh, really cool. So um, let's just dive right into the questions. You used to be an uh, Ayurvedic or functional medicine doctor. Uh, tell us about the story of how you went from that uh, to becoming the emotional intelligence coach that you are today. That's an interesting story. So the way I began my journey was uh, choosing to become an Ayurvedic or a functional doctor. And I was doing pretty well when I was way back in India. Uh, I topped the university, was doing very well with my practice, but then I got married and then I had to move to Qatar where my husband got a job. And funny enough, when I came here, I realized we don't have the license to practice. So then I didn't know what to do. And that is when I looked at myself and looked at the skills that I have and what could I do to, uh, to adapt to this new space? Because in a way, everything was new, new culture, new country, new people. So I think it was that skill of adaptability, looking at the situation through a different lens and seeing what skills do we have that I can use in this new space. So I knew that I had some of the uh, computer skills. I had done two degrees in computer science, so I knew I could use that. And then I went on to master, um, uh, do a master's in business administration and get some professional certification in project management. So that's how I landed into computer science. And then coming to emotional intelligence, as I grew up the corporate ladder, I realized that technical skills are no good. Are no good if you have to lead a, a team of people, if you have to, uh, bring about change, if you have to inspire people, if you have to move them in a certain direction. So technical skills can only take you to a certain level. There is something different that successful leaders do. And I was in a journey of finding out what is that that is something different. That led me to Daniel Goldman's work. So I'd been to US for a year, finished my certification with Daniel Goldman, and uh, ended up in the uh, emotional intelligence space. And uh, this is my passion, actually, to help people uh, improve their lives, not only their businesses, but improve their lives. Because I believe the ripple effect of uh, inspirational leadership, impactful leadership is huge. It not only spreads in your workspace, but your home life as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your specific niche is to help high-performing executives to excel without burnout. And I think like yeah. you know, the, who, the who, um, WHO, the WHO, has just um, in the last year um, identified um, burnout as, you know, uh, a specific illness. Like, you know, before it didn't have that designation. So it's recognized as a specific problem. Why did you focus on this particular area? You know what? All my stories come from myself. I realized that when I was having um, to deal with to go, the corporate job, manage a family, and I did not have help here when I came to Qatar. So it was all me, myself, managing my two children, managing a career, managing a husband, and then we had some social commitments. All of that was coming together. And working hard and hard did not give me the, was unsatisfied, uh, was not satisfying at all. Uh, it eventually led me to working more. More anxiety led to more uh, working hard. And then it was like in a hamster wheel. And I realized that I was on the verge of burnout. I had to do something different. And again, that is when emotional intelligence came to play. So emotional intelligence is first understanding yourself, your needs, and then understanding others and how you can marry the two to bring out the best in yourself 
so that you can have a positive impact on others. So all these areas are tightly related. And as you said, stress, it's very true. 70% of the organizations have demonstrated, have uh, reported. It's a Gallup report that has come out a few years, I think last year or the year before. 70% of the employees are stressed. And it is not because um, uh, it is not because of the work, because it is uh, they don't know that they are stressed or they don't know how to manage their stress, how to manage their emotions. So if you know how to manage yourself, your emotions and how to use your emotions effectively, you can manage your stress in a much better way. Yeah. So growing up and experiencing life as, as you did, um, you realized at some point that stories you told yourself um, actually had an impact on your personal and professional success. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, how you came to that realization? Absolutely. I think stories are a part of everybody's life. If you see the work you do and you don't do, you know, we, we let the stories define us. And I let that story, I was always an A grade student. So whenever I would miss that one grade, one mark and teacher would put that red line, that would stick into my head. And I would tell the story, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. So I, I remember in one of the speaking event that I had gone to, I could not get, I could not be in the top. And that hit me very hard. And the story I was telling myself, I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at speaking. But then, you know, I was, I, over the years, I realized that this is the story I've been telling myself, but that should not define who I am. If it is true, first of all, is it true? May or may not be true. And if it is true, I still have the choice to actually change the story. So that is a very powerful um, you know, way of looking at things. What story are you telling yourself and will you let that story define you? So when I, when I actually dug deep into myself, there were many such stories that I was telling myself. I'm not a good cook, I'm not a good mother. And I used to tell I'm not a good mother when I used to come home late from work and then uh, you know, see my children were not happy. And then I used to have that feeling of guilt of not giving enough uh, time for them. And then, oh, I'm not a good mother. And then I would carry that guilt back to work. And then I would think about my children when I'm working at work. And then that would lead to a different story. Oh, I'm not a good worker here. So, so, it's, it's, so it's, it's all the stories that we build around ourselves. And when we learn how to define, how to recognize the stories that we tell and what to do with those stories, then we can create a new reality for ourselves. So first is identifying what stories you're telling yourself. Are those stories true? And how can you change those stories? And I believe we have the choice. We have the choice to create a new story for ourselves and a new reality for ourselves. And, you know, I think it even goes further than that, that we actually have a responsibility, you know, to, to figure out what stories are holding us back and then transform them. Because, like, as you were just saying, that that one story about, like, oh, I'm not a good mother actually impacted your workplace, right? So you were carrying these negative stories around, and they were affecting everything. It's not just like, oh, okay, I'm not a good mother, but then I'll just leave that story at home. And when I go out, like, I'm a different person. No, those stories, they, they follow us everywhere. So I think that it's, you know, it, it, it's our responsibility to to figure out what those stories are and transform them because that's the, only, that's the only way that we'll actually be able to make an impact in the world. Absolutely, and absolutely. And unless you pay attention, Elizabeth, to the stories that we're telling ourselves, we don't even realize that, realize that we are telling the stories. 
It yeah. requires somebody like you, Elizabeth, talking to a group of people. See, this is the story you're telling yourself. Is this true? Sometimes it requires a third person like yourself to show them the mirror. Hey, yeah. look, is this yeah. the story? Is this the story you're telling yourself or is this a fact? So yeah. show them the mirror. So that's why these groups are so important. The groups like uh, what you have created. Yes, thank you. So um, actually, maybe this is a good time to share a few of the uh, stories that uh, my participants in Free Your Inner Writer are telling themselves. And, um, and it would be great if you could give us some advice, you know, about how to deal with those stories or, their, or those um, um, challenges that they're facing in terms of uh, getting down to the writing. So one of them um, uh, was saying recently that her biggest distraction um, is, is of her own making, spending time on social media or letting time slip by without setting a schedule. And so this is, you know, the, the, the thing that she pinpointed that's stopping her from the writing. What would you say? Now, even before coming to writing or any task that is important to us, I would like to start with one thing that is clarity. You know, I always like to ask my clients, starting with this question, imagine it is a year from now or three years or five years from now. Who do you like to be? What do we like to be known as? What do you want to achieve? Think of that. Don't think of the how. How you're going to achieve is the secondary part. It comes later. But if you don't have the clarity of what is it that you're going to achieve, you want to achieve, you really, really want to achieve, you know, and have clarity around the what, then the how gets slowly clearer and clearer. But having, import, uh, having the clarity around the what is extremely important. You, you actually got to feel it, you know, you got to feel viscerally. You know, imagine yourself as a writer, one year from now, three years from now, what are you writing about? What is your message about? You know, who are the people around you? Who, who your work is resonating with? Is it the children? Are the uh, senior people resonating with your work? Where are they reading your work? What kind of uh, language they're using? You know, so actually go visceral, feel, feel, uh, feel the feelings of the people around you. Define it as clearly as possible. And then see on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to get this work out? And another question, what is really important is, think of the impact your work would have on the people around you. How much of that impact you want, you really, really want to happen. Yeah. If that is important, then tell me, won't you carve out time for the work that is so meaningful for you? If that is going to make a difference in 1 million lives tomorrow with your one single work, won't you carve out the time to do that work that is so meaningful for you? So what the way I look at things is, if first of all, defining why it is important. The what and the why is extremely important. If you don't have the what and the why clear, everything else, scheduling time, planning and writing is not going to help you out because that is only going to lead to more stress and more burnout and working harder doesn't help that you're going on a hamster wheel. The first exercise that you have to do is get clear on the what and the why. Why is it that work you are qualified to do, Elizabeth? Why is it the work that you are uniquely qualified to do? And what is it about your work that is so exciting for you? Once you're clear on that, then tell me about, uh, you know, your time, you don't have the time, you don't have the energy, you don't have uh, the space, or you don't have the motivation. I would challenge again this thinking. These are all excuses. 
because I have given these excuses myself. I now write on a regular basis. I don't write books, but I write blogs on a regular basis. But the story I was telling myself was, I don't have the time. I'm too busy with my family. I'm too busy with my other work. But these are excuses. The real thing was, you are hiding behind some of the emotions that you don't want to feel. So my question to you is, what are you hiding behind? What feelings you don't want to feel? And most of the time, most of the time, it is those feelings of incompetency, it is those feelings of fear, it is those feelings of judgment, it is those feelings of uh, rejection, it is those feelings of insecurity that is holding you back. Yeah. It is not that you don't want to do the work, you want to do the work because you like doing the work, but you're hiding behind those feelings, you're hiding behind those emotions. So you beautifully built a wall around that excuses. So it's a huge wall of excuses and you have decorated it with all the stories that you have. I've done that. So I can tell that with confidence. I don't have the time. I'm too busy doing this. And I've decorated it with all the stories. And then what we do is we rationalize it. We rationalize it because this is our story. I don't, I'm not ready to face the fear. I'm not ready to come out of the comfort zone and do the work that is important to me. I'm not willing to face those fears. That's why I rationalize it. Okay, I don't have the time. But is that the truth? No. Yeah. We spend three hours on social media every day. But writing, even if you spend 10 to 15 minutes a day, will make a difference. So it's up to you. It's up to us yeah. to make the choice what is really important. Yeah. I, you know, I, I say that to, to my uh, clients and students as well, that if you just wrote for five minutes a day, and like whether you're typing it or handwriting, it'll be anywhere between, let's say, 100 and 150 words um, in five minutes. And let's say it's just 100 words. At the end of the year, you have 3,600 words. That's a novella. That's like something like finished and done. And, you know, like it's a huge thing. But like just micro actions, right? But like you're, it's so important, like you say, that we have to have like a vision and a why and a purpose and that we work towards that. If we're just sitting down just to like, oh, I want to be a writer and I don't know what to say, it's going to be harder. Yeah. To yes. focus. Mm. Yeah. Um, another one says that I'm uh, my biggest distraction because I'm a chronic multitasker. And so when they sit down to, to write, they're checking their mail, they're doing this or uh, a bunch of other things. What do you say to that? So multi there's nothing such, uh, no such thing as multitasking. You can only do one task at a time. And that's the only efficient way of doing, uh, doing work. So if you're so used to multitasking, that means there is a problem with priority. That means there is a problem with planning. So I generally advise all my people not to have more than three tasks in a day. It's the three big rocks. So early morning or even the night before, decide what are those three things that if you do, will give you the biggest impact and satisfaction at the end of the day. And you decide the night before. You don't do any other work the next day till you have finished those three big rocks. Eat the frog. Eat the frog is what uh, Brian Tracy says. And he says that for a, a purpose. Because once you have finished those big rocks, uh, those uh, big tasks that you have planned for yourself, the others are just you know, free flowing. Right. So no more than three tasks a day, uh, no distractions, carve out time for yourself to, uh, for those three tasks. And I like to work in chunks of uh, 20 minutes or 90 minutes block 
So carve out time, just like you would schedule a meeting with somebody, schedule a meeting with yourself, all the distractions off, whatever you need to do to put those distractions off, please do it. And then focus on those three tasks in those 20 minute blocks. I love that, that, you know, splitting it into those 20 minute blocks. I, I started doing Pomodoro uh, method yes. and I kind of vary it. So sometimes I do like 45 minutes and then I take yeah. a break and do another 45 minutes. And, um, and, uh, but yeah, I, and, and I find that I'm so productive when I, I know it's like, okay, just get whatever I can done in the, in these 45 minutes, you know, and I'll give you a bonus tip on that. So if you're doing this 20 minutes and five minutes or 25 minutes and five minutes as per the Pomodoro technique or the 45 minutes and 15 minutes, it yeah. works even better in a group. So you all come together, you're accountable in this group, like the challenge that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Sit together, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever works. All of us are only, uh, you know, working on our thing. And then we only move 15 minutes during the break. It works wonderfully well. Yeah, it does. I actually tried that through uh, the uh, novel writing month. November is the novel writing month. And so um, I had just once a week, um, people come to, to a nearby cafe, a huge cafe, and we just sat there and, and I just put out the timer. And so it, like every like 20 minutes, we'd stop and then have a five minute break and, and then get back into it. And so many people loved it. They couldn't believe how much they achieved just by doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes months of work gets done in one or two days, you know, if you actually confine yourself to those uh, blocks of time. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and actually speaking to that, um, uh, I didn't follow Pomodoro method. I didn't know about it at this, uh, this time, but um, there's the um, uh, novel writing weekend as well in September. So um, it's a long weekend, three days. And, um, and you just sit down and you write like for the whole three days and the idea is to have a novel at the end of it. And so I was working on a nonfiction book though, but, um, but I had 93,000 words by the end of those three wow. days and I didn't wow. stay up all hours. You know, I just, I worked like a nine to five and I worked a little bit in the, in the evening, but I went to bed at a reasonable time and didn't push myself and, but I was focused. And so it really makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's part of focus. Yeah. Yeah. So another person says, uh, in terms of the challenges to actually get to the writing, uh, she's always experienced that um, uh, the needs of her family and they come first. So she says, I live alone with my husband, but I have three adult children and four grandchildren nearby. I've always allowed their desires for my time to be put ahead of my own needs, especially time for writing. So what advice do you have for her? <laughs> this is the common this is a common problem i think with most of uh, the women you know we always prioritize others needs before our own and it is important but it is also important to recognize that unless we give time to ourselves we are not our best version we are not our best version and when i say our time to ourselves not only in terms of your health but what you really like to do because when you really like to do and you do what you want to do it sparks that inner energy, it sparks that life within you. And the quality of your relationships dramatically improves when you give that time to yourself. So self-care is not like a supplementary thing. I think it has to be a primary thing. Uh, and I always give this analogy of the uh, mask that they tell us to wear in the, you know, when you fly in the aeroplane. So what do they tell us? They tell us you cannot save somebody else or your, even your child unless you wear your oxygen mask first. Yeah. So remember to wear your oxygen mask first. 
and see, you see the difference when you wear your oxygen mask, when you take good care of yourself, whether it is uh, food, whether it is uh, exercising, whether it is sleep, whether it is doing the things that you love to do. See the difference between when you do this and when you don't do this. Which version of yourself do you want to give to your family? Yeah. And see the quality of the relationships that is different. For example, it doesn't mean when I spend five, five hours with my children is equal to two hours, but quality time when I'm fully present to them. Is five hours, you know, those time important? Is or is the quality of your relationship, your presence of mind, your presence important? Are you actually being present to your family? And you can actually be present to your family only when you're present to yourself. Wow, that's profound. Yeah. So um, our last one here is, um, she says, I moved to a new city this year and into a tiny flat that serves as our base for house hunting. With hubby working from home, I frequently get interrupted. It's hard to write when he's doing business calls because I can hear entire conversations. Now this is particularly poignant in the time of COVID because we're still, you know, uh, in, in our homes and cafes and libraries aren't open. So what do you suggest for her? I think there are two things that are coming up for me. One is boundaries. You actually have to define your boundaries and you have to define his boundaries, you and your husband, and actually mutually have an agreement of what would work for both. If the goal of writing is important to you, then what timings could work for you? In a way, knowing the current constraints of reality, there's one house, there's one laptop, one living room where you both have to do something. So if this goal is important, uh, be flexible enough with your writing as well as with the work that is important for your husband. So can you shift the time? Can you adjust the time in the morning? So it's a matter of being flexible as well as understanding your goal. And can you talk to your husband to see if he, he could shift the meetings to some other time? So it's a matter of, you know, empathizing with each other, understanding each other's needs, and then carving out a schedule that fits both. So it is not an either or situation. Most of the time when we are in this uh, in these situations, you know, panicky situations, oh my God, I have only one laptop, I only one home, I have only one this, you know, we think narrowly. And then we go into either or, either he's giving me the laptop or no, either I'm going to the meeting or no. So we go into that either or thinking. But if you actually uh, calm down, calm down your nerves, know your work is important, know your husband's work is important, how can you mutually agree in a way that is helpful for both of you? Yeah. So talk it out come out, uh, talk, uh, talk to your husband, empathize with each other, understand his needs, and um, make sure that you're demonstrating your needs as well and work it out together. So there is never an either or situation. There is always something that comes out if you're being empathizing with each other's needs. Yeah, and it reminds me of zero sum, you know, the zero sum model that, that like if it, there's not enough pie to go around, like if, if they <laughs> get some, then I'm gonna get nothing. Yeah, so that, that's another story that we tell ourselves, yeah. Right. So yeah. you, um, so I, like, I really enjoy hearing your perspective, you know, because I think a lot of times people, um, you know, do need to hear it from somebody other than a writer, you know, like, you know, yeah. you're an emotional intelligence coach, you work with the executives. And, and I think that sometimes people wouldn't think that, oh, what does that have to do with me? I'm a writer, I'm a creative person, or I'm trying to be, you know? So how, how does, you know, executive coach um, have any correlation to me? So that's what I'd like to ask you now is what um, connection do you see between um, it, being an executive um, coach and creativity, you know, leadership and creativity? What's the connection? 
I think one thing that is extremely important, whether you're a leader or whether you're an entrepreneur or writer is, like I said, knowing your why. So even if it is a big businesses, big businesses need to know the why in which direction they have to go. It is not just running your business or your day-to-day -day business because COVID-19 has changed so much. So unless you have a vision for 10 to 15 years or even five years down the line, which direction your company needs to steer, you cannot carve out the strategies for today. So just like the entrepreneurs do, um, what, what is the vision that you want to, what is the vision you're envisaging for yourself? So that is one common thread, whether it's a big company, whether it's an entrepreneur, whether it's a solopreneur, you need to have a vision and then, you know, steer up to the, in that direction. The second parallel, what I can draw upon is whatever market in leadership or in businesses, we venture a new market or we roll out a new product and then you come down to the specifics. So same thing goes for writers. You have a big project. So at that time it sounds, it looks too big. Oh my God, it's a too big. Uh, how would I achieve that? So what we do uh, when executing projects is breaking it down. So if I have to achieve this uh, goal of uh, venturing into a new market by 2023, what is it that I need to get done by in the three years that has to go to meeting towards that goal? So what are those individual components that are important towards reaching my goal? So just a drawing parallel to your work, it's like if I have to finish a book, say for example, my deadline is 2023, what are the individual components that need to be in place for my goal uh, to write a book, to finish writing the book by 2023? What are the resources that I need to help me write the book? What is the support system that I need to help me write the book? What are the individual components? And once I have those individual components in place, for example, uh, this is a milestone I want to achieve by 2020. Break it down further. And then hit knock off one domino at a time. You know, yeah. you don't think of the big thing that I have to finish by 2023, that will happen. But yeah. what is your immediate goal in 2020? 2023 is when I publish my book. Mm -hmm. But 2020, uh, 2020 is maybe finishing one chapter. And what is the one domino and then work backwards. You know, what is the one domino I need to hit today and then get the support, ask for help. This is where many leaders fail even today because they're not willing to ask for help. And why? Because most of the time it is that ego playing out. I think I know everything. I don't need help. And we all have that stories, you know? If I ask for help, I'm a weak person. No, that is not the truth. You're a very strong person because you have the courage and humility to say that you need help. And that's how you will create an impact. So as a writer, if you need help, ask for help. And another thing is uh, resources, having the right resources, whether it is a support system. For leaders, it is a leader network. Being part of a very powerful community helps a lot because that brings in new perspectives. You know, that challenges that old way of thinking, that challenges, uh, encourages new ways of thinking. So similar to that, in the writers, like you have a community, be in that community, actively participate in the community, listen to new perspectives, challenge your own ideas, challenge your own thinking. This is extremely important. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, you have uh, something to offer, a gift to offer our, our listeners and, and viewers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I have shared a link with you. It is about working from home. So I've put some few tips and strategies about how do you best work from home? So it might be useful to one of the 
participant who was asking about how do you you know manage when your husband is at home and you are at home and it speaks a little bit about the tips and strategies about working from home it also includes some strategies when you're man if you have a remote team of people how do you manage a remote team effectively when most of your team is working from home and i think i've also included a bonus on how do you calm yourself down if you're anxious so it includes a bonus tip on managing anxiety and if people want to connect me with me to know more about my work you can share my uh, website or you can share my email address i'll yep. be happy to connect with them to take this discussion further awesome yeah i will give them those links so that they can get in touch with you that's a it's just so great thank you so much for taking the time to to share your your insight and your wisdoms with us and uh um, and I hope that you'll come back again and, and chat with us. Thank you so much, Ashana. Sure, Elizabeth. It was a pleasure talking to you and your audience. And if anybody has any further questions, you can drop, the, drop them down to me and I'll reply. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You'll find all the links mentioned in today's interview at bit.ly forward slash the OYC podcast. To get the Polish and Publish online writing retreat for free, go to bit.ly forward slash turnkeyoyc. That's bit.ly forward slash turnkeyoyc, all lowercase, one word. And register for the ultimate podcast launch formula with Doug Sandler and Strickland Bonner. Sign up for the podcast program before July 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern, and then let me know you've registered. Mm-hmm.